Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Wednesday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what's up? Oh, what's going on, Luke? Ready to broadcast, as always. How about you? I'm ready. Let's do okay. this. we got lots to Let's get into this today. Thing, man. Let's do this. Let's do this, You ever bro. see uh, the new Starsky and Hutch where Ben Stiller dresses up like, uh, I don't remember the guy's <laughs> name, Maury Finkel, and just walks around saying, do it. No, I have not, it. as a matter do of fact. It. Is that, what is that? It's, it's Starsky and Hutch. The movie. The it's movie? A, it's a remake it's of the, new, the yeah, okay. show. Okay, yeah. it's not a remake of the series. No, it's, Hodge, it's just right? a movie. It's got Snoop Dogg. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Have I mean? seen it? No. Okay, well. Krug! So, somebody has seen it and and they uh, got that reference. Uh, all right. I almost just read a buzz and went to break. Believe it or not, so we're off to a good start. Here we go. All right. Hour Star number two. Skin, Hodge. Uh, well, Wolf, okay. we got, uh, where is he? Brock Heward's going to join us later in the show. Well, that's going to be cool. Give us a little insight on Rome Adunze, who's a, you know at least a possibility for the Cardinals. Andre Turney will join us later on the show. We got a lot of D-backs to get into. We got some sons, but we got to start with Cardinals. Cardinals because the combine is going and Monty Austinfort and Jonathan Gannon are talking and maybe you can kind of get a peek behind the curtain if you listen to this stuff uh, the right way and read between the lines. Here's Monty uh, at the combine yesterday was asked if he's gotten any trade calls for number four yet. No, I have not. I have not. If you guys hear anything, uh, come come let me know. So. No, I'm not surprised. No, we're sitting here at the end of February. We got we got a ways to go on that. I think everybody's still in the middle of their evaluation process. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of unknown right now um, about, again, somebody asked a question earlier about what's going to happen in front of us. I mean, we can sit here. Somebody could say, hey, I think I know what's going to happen. And nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> so, you know, I think those discussions, Josh, I, I think those happen more as we get closer to the draft into April. Um, you know, and I think that's what happened last year. Um, we didn't have a lot of discussions over over um, our pick last year at this time. And even if we did, like they would be so surface level that I don't think I could put any credence into them anyway. Um, so I'm sure those calls will come. And I mean, we're going to make our fair share of calls too. I think last year we proved that we were more than willing to uh, to move up, to move back, um, to stay put and pick. So, you know, I think those discussions will come a little bit further down the road. Yeah, a little bit further down the road, like after the combine right now, right after the combine, I think, and obviously before the draft right now. I think it's so cool because the combine largely, what you do and what you're looking for if you're an NFL scout is you're looking for guys that are going to confirm what you see on tape. That's what you're really kind of looking for at the combine, confirmation. Okay, listen, I love the way this guy, he's got a great burst. Well, does he have a great burst? Let's see. Oh, you know what? He ran a great 10-yard sprint. They always do that on the 40 as well, base and earnings. They take it. The increments of the 40, of course. They take the 20 and the 40 and the 10, and they go ahead and, oh, you know, he does have a great burst. See that? You can see it. Oh, it see, confirms what you see. They do take. each segment? My yes. my best would be from eleven to twenty. Yeah, okay. Because I, oh. I would get out of the gate. I would, like I probably wouldn't get out with a great jump, and then by forty, I'd be like, I'm done. But ten to twenty, I'd be like, I'm flying. You know what's amazing about that is I had one of the best 
10 yards starts as well. It was one of the things I could do really, really well based on earnings. I, I ran a 4.58 and a 4.59. For a guy who's 220 pounds and a blocking fullback, that was actually pretty good. That is pretty a 4.58 good. and a 4.59 officially at the combine. But it was my 10 yard start when the scouts came in on a pro day and actually allowed me to, man, it was a 10 yard start. And I'll never forget this. They literally had the back of your belt. You'd put a belt on and a timer. Once you, once you went 10 yards, it would come out and it would stop the clock immediately. Wait, did the rope would come out? The, yes, because it's, it was attached to a timer. Oh, okay. So it would pull it and stop it, stop the clock. But it wouldn't stop you. you just run off into you the distance. you just run off into the distance, right? <laughs> so it was really, really cool because you could actually see that 10-yard start and how important it was. It was important, and one of the reasons why I was drafted in the fourth round is because I could generate so much speed quickly before I kicked out the end man of the line of scrimmage or maybe it got an ISO, which allowed me to do my job. And I think it's still to this day one of the reasons why. The same thing applies. You're, you're going to the combine with an idea of, okay, these numbers that I get, how does it verify what I see on tape? Good or bad. Well, and as far as not getting calls for number four, I'm pretty sure Monty Ossenfort said something similar last year at the Combine. I think he was asked about getting calls for number three. I mean, the reality is you're not picking one or two, so teams like teams don't even know if they should be calling you yet, right? I mean, if three quarterbacks go in the first three picks, then no quarterback needy team is going to be calling the Cardinals at four. Now, a team that wants a receiver might be calling the Cardinals. Like, hey, if you're not interested in Marvin Harrison Jr., we definitely are. Uh, or, look, if a team that, then there's plenty of teams that are desperate for a quarterback, if one of those three is still there after the third pick, he's going to get calls. And that's sort of the reality of being the Cardinals now is Monty's going to get the calls in that window when he's on the clock. Yeah, right. And I, I think also, too, before the clock. Maybe you're trying to plow a, a path, plow a road. Maybe you're just, hey, listen, you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, you know, the Arizona Colonel's at number four right there. I'd really like that number four pick because, you know what, we also need a quarterback. You know, and if they take Marvin Harris, you know, what if somebody does? What if the Bears, for what, I'm just throwing out a wild card. Yeah. They don't do what everyone thinks they're going to do. And suddenly Marvin Harrison is taken at number three, maybe, by the New England. If it, wow, would I hate that so Can much. you imagine? Exactly. Yeah. That's when you're going to make a move. But I think you also may want to pick up the phone and plow the road, so to speak. You're saying say, on draft day or like in a couple weeks? I'm talking about maybe the week of the draft. Okay. Hey, Monty, if, the, you know, if this situation, do you want me to call you? If this situation happens to come up here, do you want me to call you? Because we we would be interested in that number four pick, period. You don't talk any principle. You don't talk about who you're talking. Just keep me in mind. Trade, what kind of... Just keep me in mind. I think that that is probably something that will happen the week of leading up to that draft. Uh, Monty was also asked if he knows how the draft is going to play out. I don't, but if you guys do, I'd take all suggestions, you know. So um, that's one of the challenges of the draft um, is trying to anticipate. You know, I don't, I don't think we're quite at that point yet where we're going to try to figure out what's going to go up, go on in front of us. Um, we're still in the evaluation of our, our own board and trying to get guys where we think and the value and, and putting them where we think for our team. Um, you know, 
further down the line, maybe once we get into the middle of April, the last couple of weeks leading up to the draft, then we'll start to try to predict um, what might happen in front of us, behind us, around us. Um, and that's part of the, uh, the strategy of the draft. So, you know, right now I don't, Mark, I don't have an idea of where that's going to go. Um, you know, that probably will come into light here in the next couple months. If it were me, and thankfully it isn't, because the Cardinals would just be drafting receivers with like the first six picks if I was doing it. Um, no, if it were me, I would I would be preparing. Like the best things Monty Osenfor can do, get all the knowledge he possibly can, put together his board, put together the tiers, however he wants to do it, however he's most comfortable, where he can adjust on the fly. Because yeah. the reality is they are one of the teams that controls the draft, but they're not going to know. Like they, I would say they're the number two team in terms of controlling the draft. But the problem is they don't know where they're starting until the Bears, who are the number one team, yeah. either make their pick or trade their pick. And then he's got to be he's got to be ready to go in five or six different directions because he has so many picks early. Yeah, you know, it really is not going to heat up until April. It really is not. I, I, this is something where think about it, Luke. You've got the combine. This the combine is critical to scouting, of course, and yeah. putting together your packages on all these players that are coming out, but so are their pro days as well. And free agency. Exactly. But the pro days as well, you know what? Um, You're going to have a grade on a guy, and those pro days are also going to be really important because maybe you didn't like the interview that you actually had with him at the combine. Maybe you didn't go to the combine, whatever it may be, but we're going to talk to him on his pro day, right? And maybe that goes better. And that so you can see it's still a a sliding scale, man, for these scouts. Uh, NASCAR returns to Phoenix Raceway March 9th through the 11th for the Shriners Children's 500. Get ready for a thrilling experience as NASCAR heads west. Drivers like Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott are going to take on the Desert Jewel for your chance to experience this. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets. When we come back over to baseball, Eduardo Rodriguez made his first start as a Diamondback yesterday. You reading anything into those? What, not even really two innings? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Jarrett. Bickley and Murata will be live from Salt River Fields tomorrow talking Diamondbacks. Tune in at 6 a.m. tomorrow on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You hump? Boy, if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what would. I don't know if they're taking Jarrett out there. Can you imagine Jarrett Carlin just running loose Salt River Fields at 6 a.m.? Actually, I could yeah. see that. <laughs> Being tackled by security on the concourse. Uh, all right. Talking baseball here. We were out there yesterday, Wolf. It was pretty, I mean, it's always great out there. It's always great at Salt River Field. The res- love it, man. The result of the game, I guess, wasn't technically great, but who really cares? Um, except Eduardo Rodriguez was pitching. And that was his first outing as a member of the Diamondbacks. Doesn't matter. It gets it gets wiped away in a month when the games start for real. But he did. He got knocked around a little bit. Gave up a couple home runs. Here he is uh, afterwards. Good. Um, I was throwing my pitches uh, almost right where he wanted. Command was a little off. So, but overall, I feeling good. Uh, but also, it was right where he wanted, like 90 to 92, after 93 sometimes. So, overall, everything was good. Just location. That's the one that. That's what we're going to spring training for. What do you take from spring training outings usually? Do you just do you worry about results at all, or is it all about... No, I mean, 
I've been spending 20 so much time already that I know like I know how it is, you know. Like, there is some spin train that I've, I think I give it like two runs on the whole spin training. There is some that I've give it a lot of runs. So like for me, it's just more to to working on what I'm working. Like today was more working on on my command and all day was off. So like that's something that I still need to work on it. But overall, like I'm feeling good with all my pitches. So. And velocity was right what he wanted, which was like 90 to 93. So overall, I take the the good part out of it. And the good thing is like these results over here don't count. So that's perfect. It's so, it's so weird, man. It really is because spring training for an established guy like Eduardo Rodriguez, they really are. They're they're just working specifically on doing something for the most part, right? And not going out and competing. They talk about not having scouting reports in the spring, right? They're just going out there and they're working on stuff. It's one of the reasons why you you, you can't read into what you're seeing in spring training all of the time, and it's going to carry over into the regular season, right? I I just there are so many examples. So many example, example after example after example of that not being the case of guys who come out and he, they were tearing it up in the in the spring. And then all of a sudden, when the regular season starts, not so much. So I just don't think there's a lot of carry over there. I really don't. Unless you're a young guy, then I think there might be. Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing is like if you're a young player like a Jake McCarthy, you need to put up. Some some good showings here in the spring if yes, you want to be on the team probably. Uh, but yeah, as far as carrying over for an established vet, Rodriguez been in the league for like ten years. He's he's last year was an amazing year. It's not like his only good year. He's he's been good <laughs> um, as long as as long as you can locate pitches and you have velocity. And he just said he he did. I mean, I don't really care if he gave up a home run to Marcus Simeon to start off your first range. I really, I, I mean. It was the first pitch. Yeah, well, I did in the moments as we were talking. We're like, hey, I think the game's for, hey, there's a ball coming for us. Eduardo, can I talk to you just for a can minute? We just get past the just first pitch. Just for a minute right here. The very first pitch you're going to throw is a diamond back. It's going to get yard. Gone. Um... You know, that was, yeah, that was kind of a bummer. I'm just going to say, I'm, a gonna admit, unsettling. I'm going to admit that. Especially because I had I had just mocked you relentlessly that the game isn't distracting. You can still do the show while you're watching the game. Yeah. And then in the first, what, inning, we had a home run on the first pitch of the game. Then we had Cattell Marte triple. Then we had a play at the plate. And it was, it actually was kind of like distracting in a good way, but yeah. still distracting. Uh, Andrew Kinsner hit one off of uh, Eduardo Rodriguez as well. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just to me, it's always interesting. It's fascinating. Spring training, of course, and the way baseball players approach it, it really is about themselves and the technique. They're working on themselves and their technique. In the game of football and training camp based on onions, you're not. You're 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 out there and you're working on making the team a, a vast majority of the time, even guys who are established veterans, you're working on that and actually becoming a team. It's really different. The effort is really, really important in the game of football. Effort. In the game of baseball, technique is more important. The one thing it did do was and I don't think this will be the case. But it, it did make you wonder for a second, like, wait, what if Eduardo Rodriguez just doesn't have a good year this year? Like, how how damaging would that be to the Diamondbacks? Like, not that he's going to have a bad year. Four-year, 80 million, but, that'll be the last four-year, 80 million contract they give out. <laughs> but you, you just, you realize how much, at least for me, who has pretty high optimism for this team, a lot of it does hinge on the fact that they have a better pitching staff now. Now, I hear everything you just said about not reading too much into a, you know, a performance. Yeah. 
But let's not pretend you're not going to read a bunch of Brandon Fott's start today against the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Brandon, Fott specifically, you're going to be watching. Brandon who? Fought. Okay. Um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to read a little bit into it. There's You're no at least going to be paying attention. What, do we have what Brandon Fodd actually said about this? Do we do we have that? He didn't because say anything he did about talk, this. I thought he talked about to Rodriguez? Burns and Gamble. Oh, well, yesterday. I don't know. Did he talked about okay. Rodriguez, though. I'm just wondering, Brandon Fodd, how are you feeling about coming into this season right now? How much more confident are you? In- a lot of confidence, and I think our, you can say that with our whole team. You know, we, we made a good run for it, and, and we got a lot of confidence as a team going into this year and we're all excited. Uh, you could tell that day one when we, when we all showed up in the clubhouse. And uh, for me, you know, it was, it was a great end of the year. But, um, you know, it's certainly a lot more to work on and, and, and keep it going. Oh, it starts with one. And then it goes to two. The, and then three and four. How many young guys the Arizona Diamondbacks have? Where, man, if you tell me they are confident, more confident because of what happened last year coming into this season, man, who knows? That's the biggest change this team is going to go through. That. Here's uh, here's Tori Lovello talking about Rodriguez and uh, the outing yesterday. I thought the ball was coming out of his hand pretty good. Maybe a little distracted by some play, some balls at the plate that he didn't he didn't necessarily get. It's part of the game, and I think you know we got to find a way to overcome that. But um, just an up mistake where the ball carried out of the ballpark for a three run home run. And just, you know, maybe a little fastball dominant trying to find that location. But first outing, I'm fine with what he did. We just want to get that pitch count up and, and let it keep climbing. Yeah. There it is. He's fine with what that, you yeah, know. That's what, fine. Well, yeah, he gave up two dingers. Okay. That's great. Made it a little over an inning, basically. Pitched in the second. Didn't make it through anybody in the second. So, <laughs> no, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the difference. It really is. You can go out there in spring training and it's the game of baseball. Uh, football is a little bit different. It really is. Uh, Merrill Kelly was on with us yesterday, and this was right before the start. And look, I don't think Merrill was was real locked into what Eduardo Rodriguez did yesterday, even beforehand. Merrill had his own stuff he was working on, but he did talk about big picture what it's going to mean to this team to have him. Yeah, I mean, pitching wins ball games, right? You don't go deep into the playoffs. You don't go deep into a season. Frankly, you don't really go deep into games unless you have really good starting pitching. Um, our job is kind of set the tone and give our team the best chance to win. Uh, um, and if you don't have good starting pitching, um, you know, it's going to be tough. The offense has to strain a little bit more. The bullpen has to be on alert a little bit faster in the game. Um, but I like the I like the addition of Eduardo. Obviously, I haven't seen too much of him pitch um, just from the wayside. As obviously, we haven't really been in the same league or the same division as him. Um, but obviously, he's been doing it for a little while. Um, and like you said, with the... Uh, the progression of fought, um, you know, those four guys, I mean, I would take it into battle and whoever ends up being in the fifth spot, whether it's Tommy Henry or Ryan Nelson or Slade, um, I'm sure that they're going to step in and, and provide some help on the, on the fifth spot. But, um, you know, I'm as confident as ever as our rotation. I would put up, I would put us up against, you know, most everybody in, in the league, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think that's an exaggeration. Assuming, like, if, if just everybody in the league pitched to their potential, right, and everybody stayed healthy, the Diamondbacks, with that top four, will have one of the better. I would say what they were number eight on CBS's list the other day. I mean, I would say maybe even probably, like, top five or six if those four guys are all healthy and, and pitching to their potential. Yeah. 
No, I agree with you on that one right there. Merrill Kelly, just listening to Merrill right now, it's just, it's still so fascinating that he wasn't sure who they were playing that day. <laughs> yesterday. That tells you all you need to was, know about spring training. That's exactly the point that I was going to make. You know, here's a guy who didn't even know. He just knew, you know what, this is where I got to be on this day. And I got to do this. I got to well, do it. He's not pitching for another week and a half either. Exactly. He's working on his stuff. But, but still, he's got to show up, I'm yeah. sure. And he's got places he needs to be. Can't just wander around Salt <laughs> River Fields at Talking Stick, right? Just can't wander. I'm sure he's got to be certain places, of course. But didn't even know. And, and to me, again, I, I, I get that. These guys, it's about the day. When they're getting ready for 162, it's about the day and what I do on this day. It's I tell not you, who I play on this day in the spring, it's what I do on this day. Well, and especially in his position, it was before the game and he wasn't pitching. But however Merrill approaches anything, keep doing it. Because last year in the playoffs, he was the one more than anybody that was just like, all right, I'll just go out there and I'll be unhittable for a while. Um, he's also in the early lead. He, he took the early lead over Zach Allen this year, Wolf, in terms of who right? we've had on the show more. Merrill won, Zach nothing. Yes. Merrill or Zach. We've got to come up with a Kevin or Devin. I mean, we could, uh, we, could, we could monitor the whole pitching staff, but we know it's going to come down to those two who we have on more anyway. So we'll just cut it down to a two-man race. Text us your thoughts to the Fandle text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. How are Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austinfort evaluating the receiver position at this draft? They gave us a little bit of insight yesterday. We'll get it to you next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. News on number four. Draft coverage. Live, local, late breaking. All right, well, we do have a little bit of news because now we have Monty Austinfort and Jonathan Gannon talking at the Combine, and obviously they're going to be asked about the number four pick receiver position, and they're not going to probably give you much. Uh, I also want to point out, too, we're going to have Brock Heward on next hour. Yeah. Uh, they had, Brock and Sock had um, Roma Dunze on their show a couple days ago. Obviously, he went to University of Washington. I don't think right. he was a Seahawk, but he went to University of Washington, so they had him on. So we'll, we can get his... Uh, his sort of reaction to what he heard from Odunze when they were interviewing him a few days ago. But as far as Monty Ossenforts, he was, not surprisingly, asked about Marvin Harrison Jr. Wolf, I promise it, it wasn't me. I didn't just go to Indianapolis and just scream MHJ in, in the press conference. But he did say this about him. Marvin's been a great player. He's been a productive player here these last couple of years. Um, you know, it's a strong receiver draft. It is. And so there's a, there's good players at the top of the draft. There's good depth throughout the mid-rounds. Um, you know, and so you can certainly put Marvin in that mix. And so, you know, really don't want to get into like an individual scouting report right now. All I can tell you is that, hey, like we've done a lot of work on Marvin. This is we have the rest of the draft and, uh, you know, excited to continue to work him through the process here in the next couple months. I mean, what else are you going to say? What, what, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I am in the danger zone. We all know that. Luke, you are oh, still, <laughs> correct? See, Aaron's got the flight suit and everything, like literally in the danger zone. <laughs> we we got to get a picture of that and tweet that out right there, or exit out, whatever you want to call it, Basinonians. But it is, we're all in the danger zone on the Wolf and Luke show in regard to Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and I think... I'm going to remain there. I- I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm not leaving. I'll be in the danger zone well past the draft, whether they took him or not. I I wish he would work out at the Combine. I wish that he would. You know, not worry about it. How, how much circumference would that truly be for Marvin Harrison Jr.? If he just said, yeah, I'm going to work out, just like Roman Dunze. He's going to work out. 
Is that a plan? Is that something that he's plotting in regard to the possibility of being the second receiver taken or maybe even the first receiver taken? Yeah, maybe it is. But I love the fact he's doubling down on himself. Isn't that right, Roma Dute? You know, we have reached a point where I now associate this song with Marvin Harrison Jr. even ahead of Top Gun. Yeah. That's where we are right now. I know. So just that's I'm right there as well. So you almost you're obligated to draft him now if he's there at number four. Cardinals, yeah. just do it. Uh, here's Jonathan Gannon. He was asked about Marvin Harrison Jr. Playmaker, playmaker. Anytime he touches it, he can score points. So that's the name of the game. Score one more point than the other team. Um, so it was. Uh, I need to watch him more. But uh, he he's a playmaker. Now he was also asked about Hollywood Brown and and this. Uh, I'll just play this. Yeah, I talked to Kyler about everything. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, but again, there's an economic piece to that. So that'll sort out as we get going here. So the question was, do you want Hollywood Brown back and do you talk to Kyler about stuff like this? And so yes. that's why he said yes, definitely. But there's an economic piece to this. And I, I tell you, Wolf, that is, it's not anything new except the head coach just said it. And I think that really <laughs> reiterates what a lot of us have been saying. I would like Hollywood Brown back on this team. You know my stance. I'd like Hollywood back, though, not as the guy. Give me Marvin Harrison Jr., bring back Hollywood Brown, and I have Michael Wilson and Trey McBride. I have a good offense. But I'm not going to pay what what Hollywood might get from another team. And that's sort of what Gannon just said right there. It was like, yeah, we to, if he gets, we could easily get priced out of this too. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really interested to see how the rest of the National Football League responds to Hollywood Brown being on the open market because he is, once again, if you went back and looked at last year, we've talked about this many times. There were, the the stats don't confirm the kind of season that Hollywood Brown had last year. Yeah, and when you consider the fact that he was working um, with a different quarterback as well for the vast majority, well, much of the time, let's put it that way, it makes it even more impressive what he was able to actually do. Now, now look, Hollywood to me is all about James Conner. <laughs> Most things are. And, I, and I, you know, once again, I know everyone's going to, what are you talking about, James Gunner, right now? Hollywood, to me, is the classic, quintessential, we're going to go deep, bruh. We're going deep. We're going to run by that free safety who's going to squat in the middle of the field because we got we got some play action actually coming. And the fact that you'll get DBs. My old coach used to call it getting horny, ladies and gentlemen, and not not... The way you think I mean it. You don't know how I'm Getting thinking. Getting horned. Horn, huh? You don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> no. He he used to say horns growing out of their head. Yeah. That's what he meant. Well, he got horny back here, right? He wasn't talking about the, the way some people think about that. He was talking about literally the safeties. They, they would grow horns out of their head because he wanted to come up and run somebody through with that horn. That's what he meant by saying that. And we all knew that, ladies and gentlemen, right? Because he'd go like this. He got horny back there. And he put his, his horns out like this. Was he this. from Texas? Yeah, he, he was. was he? Hey, look at that. Right, no, exactly. We just solved that mystery. So, but you know what? That's the reason why Marquise Hollywood Brown can run by so well, many guys. And that's, again, I'll, I'll just go back to this. I mean, free agencies before the draft. I, I would like... I've had this conversation with a number of Cardinals fans who, when I say, yeah, I'd like Hollywood Brown back, they're like, are you crazy? Why do you want Hollywood Brown back? Well, 
I want to back in the context of partially what you just said and partially what I've been saying. If you're gonna have, if you're gonna add a Marvin Harrison Jr. or even a Roma Dunze, um, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense to have a Malik Neighbors and a Hollywood Brown. I mean, they're they're similar-ish in, in what you're saying right there. Play action to James Conner, yeah. one of them darts down the field. But if you're telling me I get Marvin Harrison Jr. or even Roma Dunze, then Hollywood Brown has a lot more value to me, but not in the sense that I'm gonna pay him a ton of money. And I I do. I do think, I mean, there's 31 other teams. I, I just, so my gut is somebody's going to pay more than the Cardinals are right. willing to. If you're Monty Austin for right now, and um, you're thinking about, man, we'd love to have Hollywood back. We would love to have him back. And one of the big reasons why is because of what we just talked about, schematically, what he brings to the football field. And not only that, his friendship, a true friendship with Kyler Murray as well. Um that would be taken into consideration, you would imagine. You have to think, will Hollywood Brown take that into consideration? That's, I think that's going to be the and key. And maybe give the Cardinals a discount just so we could actually play with a buddy. And Kyler, Kyler, can, Kyler can be like, look, I'll buy all the meals every time we go out because I'm the one making all the money, which is why we're tight in I the was going to say, cap. now, Hollywood Brown isn't going to tell Monty Austin for that. <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll take a discount playing with Kyler, of course. You know, he's not going to say that, my brother. It just but. feels like, like if I'm the Chiefs and I really don't need much, why wouldn't I just go out and overpay for Hollywood Brown? You know, he might not be my first choice depending on who else is available, but like Hollywood Brown and the Chiefs makes a lot of sense if I'm the Chiefs. And I don't need to add a receiver and some defensive line help and some offense and I need a corner and this and that. Like I could just be like, you know what? I'll just throw my money at this guy. Yeah. So that's, I just this wonder, <laughs> this guy. Why don't, you know what, Luke? Why don't you guy. sit down and be quiet? because <laughs> I'm making all of that wisdom right there. Making too much sense over here. But I mean, if they lose Hollywood Brown, then I, they need another receiver, obviously, too. Uh, when we come back, more football. When are the Bears going to make a decision on the quarterback position and how could that impact the Cardinals? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Bears. Gamble, Monty Ossetport, and Jonathan Gaddon remain committed to building around Kyla Murray. What areas need to be prioritized in this pivotal offseason? We'll discuss on today's Burns and Gambo show, 2 to 6 on Arizona Sports. All right, Wolf, I, I am hesitant to interrupt this song, but I'm going to. KBB coming on. We have Kyle. I feel like he just picks up the phone and calls in when he hears this song. No, am I supposed to be on? He's allowed to do that as well. KBB. The the bat signal for KBB. Anytime, KBB. (laughs) Play Metallica and see if he calls in. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) And the explosion! Continues. I'm sorry I'm standing over you right now and you're wheezing. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you so hard. Feels like that's not true. Uh, I'm going to play a cut here. So we're going to remix Metallica with Bears GM Ryan Poles. But Ryan Poles was also at the Combine yesterday. 
He's probably the busiest man at the combine, actually, because he's got to decide what he's doing at quarterback, although he's not watching Caleb Williams because Caleb Williams isn't doing anything at the combine. But uh, Poles was asked, when are you going to make a decision on this? Because we're all waiting, Ryan. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, before no, free agency? Or, I would love to know as soon as possible. Right. I mean, I, mean, I would love to know, um, but I know that's not how the process works. Um, you know, there's sure before free agency would be good. Like I said, I'm also taking, um, you know, if we were to do something with Justin, like I want to do right by him. Okay, so I, I'll say this, Wolf. The position that the Bears are in, I, I understand what he's saying right there, like on the surface. Like, okay, yeah, I don't I don't have, maybe don't have my plan yet. Um, but what's really going to change for them? Are they just sitting there thinking about it? And being like, well, do we want Caleb? And you're not watching Caleb Williams do anything at the Combine. He's not doing anything at the Combine. So you've seen the tape. He might throw a football pro day, but I'm not I'm not making my decision based on a throw of pro day. I'm not the Winnipeg Jet or the New York Jets where I'm going to take Zach Wilson number two overall because he threw a 60-yard pass. Yeah. So if if I'm Ryan Poles, what's going to change between now and draft night other than maybe offers for Justin Fields or the number ding, one ding, pick? Ding, 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 okay. ding. So that's it. <laughs> there it is. You nailed it right Just there. talked I mean, myself right into it. That's what it is, Luke. That's all he's doing. He wants to keep every door that is open. Why wouldn't you, right, Basinonians? Why would you not do it? You've got the number one pick overall, and man, there is a guy that is there that you've got NFL scouts drooling over. I wouldn't be drooling over it so much. That's just my own personal feeling on this. But I guarantee you there are general managers and scouts that are drooling over the possibility of Caleb Williams as their starting quarterback right now. Why would you do anything but keep everybody guessing as to what you are going to do? I just like I, I am higher on Caleb Williams than you are. I think he's in a position to have a better career if he's somewhere other than Chicago. Um, that's not a knock on Chicago. Obviously, that fan base is great, but it's just talk to any Bears fan, and I'll tell you we never we've never had a great quarterback. And you kind of think about it, it's like, well, the weather is pretty brutal to be throwing into for half the year. It's called the Windy City for a reason. Yeah, so there's like, there's part of me that thinks like, if I'm the Bears, I at least have to look at the fact that Justin Fields can be effective even if the wind's like 20 miles an hour because he can just run. Caleb Williams is probably a better quarterback and they probably have to take Caleb Williams, but I would at least take that into account. Yeah, I'm just thinking, man, Ryan Poles, the situation that he is in right now, can you imagine? He's got to know. He's got to know. They're going to let the process play out. But deep down inside, he's got to know what is going on. Yeah, and there's the, no the way he's, that, he's like, well, I haven't decided yet, but I'm going to flip a coin on Friday. Just listening to him talk on this, um, he's trying to keep every door open. He's trying to make sure you can read into everything he says, good and bad. My options are wide open. But I agree the one thing he may have said that was truthful, Basinonians, is tomorrow. He'd like this thing resolved. Tomorrow. Yeah. As a matter of fact, maybe yesterday. Yeah. He'd like it resolved. He'd like to know what he's doing. It really doesn't benefit them for this to drag on because they have the first pick. So if they're going to move the first pick... You know, maybe you could argue closer you get to the draft, but like teams want Caleb Williams. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. the maybe the, there would be a bidding war, but for the most part, teams want Caleb Williams. So you know you're going to get offers for that. And if you're trading Justin Fields and you're going to take Caleb Williams, I think that you would definitely rather just have done right now because I don't know that the price for Justin Fields is necessarily going up. In fact, if anything, it might 
start to go down a little bit if you get too close to the draft. Uh, Ryan Poles was also asked what he wants if he's going to trade the number one pick. Yeah, it's hard to say right now, um, but it's it's got to help our organization significantly to to move around. Um, because we saw what it did last year, um, and I'm looking for that type of return to continue to improve our football. How many times are the Bears going to end up with the number one pick and then be able to trade it and get a bunch more? Yeah. You know what? Honestly, for this pick as well, assuming it's Caleb Williams, is there a team that is out there, based on earnings in the NFL, that would give up four number ones? Okay. Uh, Let's see which I'm sure it's Trey Lance. Remember Trey Lance and the going price. For the San Francisco 49ers. And he wasn't. And he wasn't number one overall. He wasn't number one. And I think there was only like a few teams that really wanted him. He hadn't played much in college and it was a small call. Like that, that is, you're right. Whatever the price was for Trey Lance, and that was not even to move up to number one. Yes. Anybody, if I'm Ryan Poles, that called me with less than that, I'd be like, okay. Here's the starting point. The starting point is above what the Niners gave up for Trey Lance. Otherwise, lose my number. Yes, exactly. And we're talking four number ones here, right? (laughs) I mean, you can just (laughs) say that and sniff after it and do it with certitude. Like, what kind of team? I'm not even asking for a specific team, but what kind of team would that make sense for? Because... That, to me, would almost make sense for a team like man, Atlanta man. or Tampa that's that maybe is just a quarterback away from being a contender man. and is willing to mortgage the future a little bit. But, I mean, like if you – Atlanta specifically, you put Caleb Williams on that team. It's a team, pretty good roster. Yeah. It is. Offensively and defensively, I think they've got some players that are there. But you're right. It's the quarterback question for the Atlanta Falcons. Because it can't be a team that's in total rebuild mode because you're not going to be able to rebuild if you trade four first-round picks. Got that right. So it's got to be a team that's made a bunch of high picks lately and is like, just give us Caleb Williams, and we're going to have to build the rest of the way through free agency. But, yeah, Caleb Williams with Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson, that's a – that's now Atlanta could have had Lamar last year and decided to stick with Desmond Ritter, so maybe they don't value quarterback very much. But Caleb Williams would make a lot of sense right there. Yeah, no, it's just going to be really, really interesting to to listen to the tea leaves and to actually see what happens as they're squeaking those tea leaves together and dropping them onto the table. Isn't that right, Ryan Poles? Because that's what they do. Not not looking at the tea leaves, listening to the tea leaves and trying to read into everything that this guy is going to say. At some point in time, he's going to talk himself into a corner. If I were a general manager, if I were, if I were Ryan Pulse, I would adopt a strategy of I'm not talking to anybody from this point forward <laughs> to the draft. Seriously. Anybody, wife, kids. Not going to do it. Not gonna no, obviously. I'm talking a about month and a half of silence. I'm not talking to anybody. I I'm guessing we probably aren't going to hear much more from him. Uh, he just had to speak because he was at the combine. Here he he uh, talked about Justin Fields too. If we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move. Um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. Man, you know, what? remember last week we were talking about the fact, hey, maybe Justin Fields is in, in on this. Yeah. Remember scrubbing the account right there, his <laughs> social media account, whatever it may be. Maybe he's just scrubbing posturing. his dog's social media he's account. Just helping, you know, 
then I thought about that for a little bit, and I don't think that is the case right now. What you just heard from Ryan Poles right there, right? To, you know, hey, listen, I, I think, you know, it's a situation where he doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. And if you don't know what you're going to do, maybe Justin Fields is taking that as you do know well, what you're going to do. Yeah. And I'm not here. If you, if you, if I just showed you what I've shown you, a question. and you're like, well, I don't know if you're good enough, then yeah. to me, I'm like, all right, I'll see you. Like, just that, trade me to Pittsburgh. It's a better team anyway. Just saying, yeah. Maybe that's what's going on here. Uh, one more from Pulse. Uh, he was asked about Caleb Williams potentially not wanting to play in Chicago because this is a thing with Caleb Williams. And to me, this is this is the big red flag for me is like, you, you go where you're drafted, you know, and like, unless you have a really good reason. If you're the number one overall pick, guess what? You're going to a bad team. Because they had the number one overall pick. That's how this works. No, no, no concerns about that at all. I, I would love to know why if that was the case. Like I said, I think um, as a young quarterback, and I've been around it. The infrastructure is important. And I think we've made really good progress in terms of having really good infrastructure for whoever were to come in or if, if Justin were to stay here as well. Honestly, that's probably the best team roster Caleb Williams could land on. I mean, because that is, the Bears weren't the worst team this season, yeah. and they have the first pick. That actually works out pretty well for somebody like him. Yeah, build the dome, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, Caleb. You're going to be out there playing in December, yeah. and it is the Windy City. Sock it all. You're going to be throwing passes that end up coming back to you. You can't control everything in your life. Boomerang passes, including your mom. Give her a break, will you, please? Now, I, I want to throw this in here because we did mention Zach Wilson, and by we, I mean me. The uh, Jets just gave him permission to seek a trade. Oh, wow. Like in the last five minutes. Man. Yeah. Think about that. Let that be a warning to everybody that is out there and wants to be a general manager and draft in the NFL. Don't Let that draft be based on one throw on Pro Day. <laughs> Woo! Man, that might go down, you know, depending on, I, I don't, I, listen, I root for Zach Wilson, ladies and gentlemen, I do. I, I root for these guys to get it right. Um, I don't root against them in any way, shape, or form. I want these young guys to get it right. But man, let that be a warning <laughs> to everybody that is out there. Here's some of the players that went right after Zach Wilson in that draft, okay? Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase. They could use him yeah. probably in New York. Panay Sewell, uh, Patrick Sertain. Sewell, oh my goodness. Micah Parsons. Imagine Micah Parsons on the Jets defense. He's okay. He's decent. Uh, that's only, I just went through like the top 13, 12 picks. Devontae Smith, uh, yeah. Uh, all right, we come back. The NFLPA released their latest report cards. How's it looking for the Cardinals? This is uh, volume number two of this. We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.